0: Welcome back to For FinTech's Sake. I'm your host, Zach Anderson-Pettit, U.S. Content Director at Money2020. My guest this week is Joe Robinson, CEO at Hummingbird. Joe, Lindsay Davis, head of markets at Atomic, and myself sat down in all places at Money2020 to converse all things regtech, cryptocurrency, and the future of compliance mission control that Hummingbird is building. This week's episode of For Thin Tech's Sake is sponsored by LSBX. LSBX is Lincoln Savings Bank Thin Tech Focused Division. I never thought I'd be reading ads on For Fintech's Sake, because honestly, I didn't know if anyone would ever listen. But as you all have shown me, there's something here, and if you've been listening since the early days, you know I started this craziness as a way to learn and talk to important people that would never give me the time of day, and hopefully be able to share that out with you all. After deciding I was open to it, I made it very clear that I would only associate For Fintech's Sake with companies that are supporting founders and doing a net good, net positive for the world. LSBX is exactly that. They were supporting founders and doing the sponsor bank thing since 2014. So yes, before it was cool. And even before FinTech was cool. If you're a startup or growth stage company looking to find direct banking relationships for deposits, debit card issuance, or access to banking rails through a great partner, go to LSBX.com. Lincoln Savings Bank is a member FDIC. That's another reason to partner with them. And without further ado, Our conversation with Joe Robinson. Joe, welcome to the podcast, you. How you you doing?
1: I'm doing well, yeah. Enjoying my I think fifth or sixth money 2020. So that's wild. Fifth or sixth. Been coming for a long time.
0: This is my third. What number is this for you? Fourth. Fourth. Yeah. Fourth?
1: Yeah. Yeah. By the
0: way, we got Lindsay back. Uh, for those of this these episodes will not come out in our back to back. So we should give context about the fact that you're still just sitting here. So, Lindsay, welcome back to the podcast.
2: Oh, it's always lovely to be a <laughs> podcast. I don't know what do you call it. A crasher. Co-host. Yeah, we're going to call I crash it? a lot of yeah, weddings. Yeah. Now I crash a lot of pods. Nice. This yeah,
0: <laughs> this is why she doesn't own a car. Yep. Uh, yeah. Anyways. So, Joe, tell us about you. Tell us about Hummingbird. Let's, before we get to Hummingbird how did you get into this world? I think like, Oh my, yeah. I know, I know you like through this lens of hummingbird, but mm-hmm. I don't think I know much of your life previous, but you were, you were at circle, right? If I remember correctly. I yeah. yeah. yeah, Part of that whole regular, like that reg tech mafia yeah. that's come out of there.
1: I'll skip the early parts. I was a management consultant first, and first okay. tech company I worked for was called Brightcove, which okay. is an online video space. Where are you, where are you from originally? Like I'm all from over Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, okay. born and raised. First job was in Chicago. Gotcha. Went to school in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. Midwest. Anyone Midwestern who wants roots. to dox me can now just listen to this podcast, yeah. you know? So. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I was uh Chicago for about a year and then moved out to San Francisco, um, and the rest is yeah. history. So. And then,
0: like, you went to, did you do, like, the the standard thing like business school consulting oh i hate consulting i'm gonna go do something i actually like no
1: i was i was (laughs) doing Revenue forecasting and oh. analytics in the healthcare space, ironically. Sexy. Sexy. And,
2: yeah, there's um, like no, I'm, i tie context <laughs> together I used to do that for a living and I'm trying to get the thread, man. Oh nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Cool. Um, you find one in every group. So yeah. um, it was uh, it was great. It taught me a lot about Microsoft Excel and sure. you know, things like that. And then uh, went into the tech world, kinda of fell in love with online video in two thousand six and ended up at Bright Cove. Um, which is a very cool company, actually, by the founder of Circle. So, I don't know if, if most there people know that. Yeah. Okay, um, cool. So, Jeremy Allaire's kind I'm of founding no history was uh, Allaire Corp, went to Macromedia, went to Brycove, and then founded Circle as.
2: How did he get from? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. To the, you know, that is not Netflix.
1: You will have to have him as a podcast guest. He's probably floating around the conference here. So I'm not 100% he sure. he you and recruited you. So. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he did. How, how early were um, you at Circle? I think it was around 15 people when I was there. Okay. So, joined so the, were you at like a, a
0: John Bechia time as well? Is that like around yeah. when he joined? Yeah, I okay. know John. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So all you
1: guys just like so came out of there and secretly sneaking I over. know. I didn't know you bring up John. I'm, this is yeah, I'm John's I love John. great. Yeah. of course. Yeah, I love uh, FS Factor and yeah. what they're doing. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, it's like this circle just has I view circle as like the cryptocurrency that's slash that's regulatorily that. oriented PayPal mafia. Mm. Like all of you got like you're Max Levchin but like taller and you know there's all these other like all of these people have gone on to start companies but they all come from Circle it's so like and there's a lot of other companies that they could come from yeah you guys were at least from my perspective you did the regulatory and compliance stuff correctly yeah and it seems like that has turned in all these other companies sort
1: of aggressively compliant which I think really worked out well. yeah we call that a competitive
0: advantage (laughs) yes yeah Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, I can tell you more about that. What's in your head? I was just in 2016 when I was trying to leave DTCC. I was an internal auditor. I was auditing risk. Okay. And and so that's kind of in my DNA. Nice. I went to all these fintech companies and said, look, I had to help banks implement Dodd-Frank. You're going to have a problem. You're going to need someone like me because I wanted to break into startups. I'm like, nah, we don't want to do that to our culture. And now compliance is the hottest thing. (laughs) Um, To get into CB, I pitched them on RegTech
1: nice That was like okay. it's a
2: multi-billion dollar category you've never heard of it because of all of the fines just coming out of the financial crisis yeah okay and they're like yep. yeah yeah sure it's great you're and, a- and then yeah. they did they did they did look at me like i was not like, oh, something i blew it and then i got the job and then they're like cool you're gonna do hr tech okay and then i built reg tech after that so it was a interesting fun. yeah and then matt nice. that matt brought me a lot of cool opportunities to meet people in the space
1: my co-founder matt yeah nice exactly. okay yeah. awesome yeah
2: 'Cause he came from Treasury and I had been Amayas. And Amayus, when he was in Treasury, was building out reg tech for the government, like yes. trying to explain it to, to the general population. Yeah. I was the only person writing research on it at the time. Okay. So like seeing C V insights and like the footnotes is like one of the credible sources was like a highlight of my career. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's all small and yeah. full circle.
1: Yeah. You yeah. get that all the time, I'm sure. I do. Lots of shape <laughs> jokes. Yep. I worked at Square as well, so I get the square to circle wow. joke all the time. <laughs> yeah. I
2: won't. So.
0: Yeah, know. there's a lot of like really corny shit in my head right now. I'm just gonna leave yep. it alone. Yeah. yeah. Didn't,
1: didn't name the company, you know, triangle. You're like, it
0: wasn't my decision, guys. Might um, work with
1: the Pentagon. Yeah. You know, so yeah, anyway. <laughs> don't name your company parallelogram. No, no.
0: <laughs>
2: you
1: might have good SEO yeah. at this point. It's very specific.
2: Anyways.
0: moving on. Yeah, moving on. We persevere. Um, so it's circle.
2: Mm-hmm. What, what did you do at Circle? Functionally, what did you run? And then when when did you know it was time to leave?
1: So for me, it was online video, and then actually did my own thing a little bit for a couple of years, and then Square, um, oh. where I was uh, one of the early product managers, led the Square dashboard and e-commerce teams, and then then back to Circle. Actually, I like to say that I left Square to round out my career at Circle. So oh yeah.
0: man, there we go. Are you a dad? Mm-mm. No. Okay. <laughs> no. That that joke. felt. The dead Lindsay's, joke. Leslie's having a moment now. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm really glad I crashed this. One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so back to circle. This
0: one was bound yeah. to be fun. Um. But hold. On, I always have a. I'm always curious, especially in the fintech space. How did you teach yourself products, or how do you learn products? Maybe it's a better question.
1: I I. It was funny. I think. Connecting the dots here from the management consulting and finance. I went into finance at Brightcove. Brightcove needed pricing, which is historically in product marketing. This Uh, was in product marketing. Then I started leading teams at Brightcove product management, did my own thing, was building a web-based point of sale system that wasn't really going to go anywhere. And then But landed me the job as a PM at Square. Makes so sense. yeah, and that was the second or third PM there, depending on who you ask. That's so, incredible. Yeah, and yeah. like a non
0: obvious transition, <laughs> like from finance into PM, is like that feels like a big jump. Even I mean, whatever, if it's inside the yeah. book, marketing organization, it still feels like a big. I mean, chasm to cross.
1: I love the way products are built and shaped and designed and you know brought to market. Yeah. So um, it definitely became a passion area for me as soon as I got close enough to like see what the function was like.
0: Yeah. So what, what were the things, I mean, that you saw at Square and Circle? And I guess we should get to what you did at Circle before Yeah. we get to the, the nuance the of these questions. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, what, what was the time at Circle like in general? Because that was yeah. probably a pretty big growth spurt.
1: Well, crypto was cool. I, honestly, my first exposure to financial crime was when we were launching uh, what was then called Square Market. I was the PM that was working on that. What was, what, what that's, is that now? That's, I, I think most people would probably experience it, um, ordering food from a restaurant that's using Square. So it's okay. like the online order form. Gotcha. But okay. the yeah. original version of the product was like any e-commerce, uh, gotcha. that Square merchants had. Right.
0: Makes sense. Um, glass blowers and such. Yeah. Fruits.
1: And it was funny cause we, you know, built and built and built, and we we're getting ready to launch. And like the head of compliance, a guy named Ryan Jones, who's now at Airbnb, uh, you know, came over, he was working at square at the time and he's like, so we need to talk about money laundering for a bit. <laughs>
0: Fun. And it was when I, really I learned somebody coming up to the yeah, desk and saying that,
1: you know, and product managers, of course, are good at just like breaking down walls. So I was like, no, talk to me later. He's like, no, no, we need to talk now. <laughs> and, uh, turns out two sided marketplaces are excellent places to launder money because if you can be the buyer and the seller, you can just sell your stuff, yourself stuff all day long. Yeah.
0: Season three of Ozark is going to be digital. Yeah,
1: Yeah. exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So that was my first exposure to it. Went over, was heading product for Circle um, for about the first year or so. And then we launched um, like a lot of great fintechs. Something I like to say is the only people better at finding early stage fintech than VCs are criminals. (laughs) Um, And so a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of fraud, like normal amount, obviously Circle made it through just fine, but um, we had to really kind of dial in anti-fraud controls. I became the VP of risk and data science and built up those teams. And um, I think the hummingbird story is one where we essentially looked around the market in AML and risk, uh, couldn't. Find any products that sort of tied it all together, and that's what we've been trying to do yeah. with Hummingbird.
0: So, for the listeners, because I've had I've had Joanne on, we've mm-hmm. talked about pieces of it before, mm-hmm. um, just as kind of an investor and advisor. But it's been a while, so if you want to just start, or let's start with what is Hummingbird today, because there's a lot yeah. of nuances and a lot of pieces that we'll unpack there. But like high level, yeah. what is this thing and with, you know, the fintech nerds that we have listening, like who should be thinking about potentially even using a Hummingbird?
1: So compliance and risk teams in finance basically have structured work and financial crime investigations that they have to do. They have kind of a specialized view of those customers. Uh, What Hummingbird is, is like a CRM for compliance and risk teams. We essentially specialize in a view of the customer that ties together potentially illegal behavior investigation workflows reporting requirements like SAR filing things like that Mm -hmm. and uh we're a platform for orchestrating that work and kind of organizing the team
0: and i mean lindsay is the one that actually was an auditor so i actually had to do work papers uh, yeah nice (laughs) systems Um, yeah i mean
2: just moving from paper check the box auditing to Uh, physical uh, system to do mm just consistent workflow Management and then sharing it across different teams when you're internal audit you would want to share it with compliance You'd want to share with risk, but it was absurd every meeting had like these very large extra legal science documents sideways Because it's like a risk and control matrix. Yeah, I'm like how do these notes get into the system? And like, how do we start to collaborate? (laughs)
1: If you want to see ancient interfaces, you can either go to the like Museum of Computer History, or just DTCC. look at some of the the functions that are like. Sorry, you said it; I didn't. Yeah, say.
2: I love and, and, how it And uh,
1: yeah, no, it's it's pretty crazy. uh Some of the technology. It's I I fell in love with it honestly because you know compliance. The word compliance has a lot of baggage, mm-hmm. um but really a lot of it is focused on. Fighting financial crime and keeping the the financial economy safe, and so it's like this very heroic work that was sort of unloved by modern technology. Um, Hummingbird's a totally design focused and sort of design obsessed company. We started to think about you know what if you actually designed purpose built tools for this function and tried to make these people's lives easier. Um, and it's been a cool and rewarding journey for us. So. Yeah, I mean, one of the... I used
2: to tell... Uh, have you had Charlie Del- Deligible on the podcast from Comply Advantage? I used to say he was a modern-day superhero because he literally is fighting like drug rings in Somalia. Yeah. He knows so much mm-hmm. about obscure fraud. He, he does. He knows so much about built. obscure fraud. But I used to say that because it's yeah. true. And the, the thing is, the fruits of your labor don't necessarily get realized in the fact that you're mitigating and preventing mm-hmm. risk and you're predicting it. You're getting ahead of it before it happens. But, man, those losses... They certainly add up.
0: And they're consistent. I mean, to your earlier point, like I know you were like tongue in cheek making a joke, but like it's it's a real thing. Like there's Facebook groups literally designed around, hey, new fintech companies up and out. Oh, yeah. They got this card
1: program. Let's get them, you know. Like it's, it's a, it's a very, it's, it's a thing. fast it's not and even it's
0: anonymized. Like some of them are like no. using their actual Facebook account. Like, what are you
1: doing here? It, 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 it is. We, we tell new employees at Hummingbird that they're going to have a little bit of a like red pill, blue pill moment, you know, from the matrix. Cause as soon as you start to learn about financial crime and how pervasive it is, you start seeing it everywhere. It's like literally all around us. We're sort of like steeped in it. Yeah. I mean, what's Um, the
0: stat that we catch? Like what one, is it 1% or 10% of
1: less than 1%? Less than 1%. Yeah. Yeah, Probably a fraction of a percent. Those are UN stats. And there've been a few follow-on surveys. Um, but I'm guessing they're not much better. Yeah. I I think the, the more interesting thing is the estimate that like, A sizable percentage of the world's gdp is actually from illicit you know flow of funds it's from organized crime from drug rings from counterfeits from you know these other areas that are actually giant industries um well i mean it's just a lot of it yeah
0: even some of the industries that have recently become legal are still struggling with pieces of how to interact with the financial ecosystem yeah actually you know cannabis and things along those lines like
1: it's a weird Absolutely. It's Super complex, thing. right? You have legal cannabis all over the U S different parts of the world now, but like that's historically a, an illegal flow of funds right. through an entire supply chain. So like, how do you keep that money out of the, the legal part of the industry? You know, it's very yeah. challenging. Yeah. it's a problem. Yeah. That's a, that's problem. It's
0: yeah, that's a yeah. problem. That's a problem for somebody else. So how much of the, how much of everything you're talking about with hummingbird comes back to a data problem and comes back to like having the right, data yeah sets data, to be able to I mean, well, well yeah d- data, data storage as well but it's it's also being able to like correlate a lot of databases across the world right because one of the biggest issues is like bank databases not talking to other bank databases and like you can take advantage of this group and then take advantage of that group and do it here but none of them like know about each other right Isn't that yeah
1: kind of a, am i overly simplifying this no it's it's pretty siloed i mean if you think about let, like let's for your listeners, let's paint a picture of yeah. what an investigation looks like. Yeah, paint it. Like. So paint it. let's know.
0: drop that SAR word at some point. So we got to start talking about the <laughs> so sexy SARs. Suspicious activity.
2: Yeah. Yes, I know. We
1: don't yeah. speak
0: in
2: jargon.
1: We don't speak in jargon? All right. <laughs> Only a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, like, Zach, if you walk into your bank, today and deposit, you know, $10,000 in cash. Yeah. They're, I
0: would deposit 9,999 and yeah, 99 well, cents. That, that sure. might actually
1: be worse So, <laughs> Yeah. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're essentially legally obligated to investigate you. Right. And so they're starting from one transaction, but they're basically going to pull the last year or so of your transaction history, the accounts you've connected to your account, your KYC information. So you you know, your customer, like your profile information, um, and they're obligated to do this. Like, we know, we know, Zach, that you're a good person. You're not laundering money. I mean, we don't think. We don't know, we don't know each other that so, well. But, <laughs> you know, and that that's true of a lot of the industry. A lot of it is what, what they call false positives. <laughs> <They love them. laughs> so a lot of things are false positives. But, um, you know, essentially, they're obligated to look at you and investigate. And if they find that, well, you know, maybe Zach is actually laundering money. I'll escalate that and eventually report that into a wing of the government called the financial crime enforcement network um fincen uh, as it's called is responsible for distributing that information to law enforcement agencies um but there's kind of a breakdown to get back to your question of like we've got all this information about zach in the last year of his financial life We're trying to put it into a PDF report and send it into the government that then distributes it to law enforcement to actually pursue the case and prosecute. There's a lot of what we call signal loss in that process. Mm -hmm. You're just losing a lot of the original detail. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you know we've really tried to focus on getting the information into a more structured format, getting better insights about it from the investigator, and then providing richer reports to law enforcement. Uh, There's a lot that, like, could stand to be modernized about that process, but just helping them put together a more thorough report is helping, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things when I saw the demo, oh, thank you, Lindsay. Lindsay's correcting me on my distance from the microphone. Um, One of the things that really blew my mind when I first saw the demo, and granted, I think this was probably, this is when I was at MBKC, so I don't think I've gotten a demo of the product for over two years. I think okay. It's probably been like two and a half years or something like that since yeah. I've seen
1: As
2: it. As a product guy,
0: he's like, it's changed. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's like dying <laughs> to tell me about all the features that changed. Some things,
1: other things are the same. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, one of the things. Oh, this is i say that because i was blown away by the product two and a half years ago so i can only imagine where it's at today is why i (laughs) say that but that being said one of the things that really blew my mind to it uh, blew my mind about it i cannot talk uh was the ability to collaborate and work together like it almost Mm -hmm. felt like the It felt like Google Docs in a lot of ways, which was super interesting to me. Just having like a multitude of different individuals that don't even have to be inside the same organization be able to like actually collaborate. Yeah. And that's like the fintech world and the bank world like actually being able to communicate, work on something together is like, right. It's world changing, and somehow we're still running into a lot of issues with that. But
1: I mean, collaboration and data silos are a big issue because. If we're looking at your year of transactions, to go back to our example, and I need to share what I'm seeing in that data with a colleague, Mm -hmm. how do I do that? Like, it's a lot of data.
0: Yeah. And how do you share, the? to your point, like, how do you share the signal that you see in this incredible amount of noise? Like, there's so much data and there's probably, like, there's probably a multitude of me out there by this point. Like, maybe they're not, they haven't, like, done a full identity steal, but I'm. Yeah. Aware enough of the world to know that, like, probably some portion of my credit card numbers out there, probably some portion of, yeah. you know, my SSNs out there, whatever. Um, so sorry it's just, sorry it's,
1: to report. It's not just a portion.
0: <laughs> it's all out there. <laughs> I like to. This is how I sleep at night. I like to, credit like, know that it's out are, there. But then I like to downplay it in my head and lie to myself about certain pieces of it. Yeah. This is how I get to bed. Um, but anyways, it's just it's seems like just the ability to communicate in one language back and forth and like pull that signal out is like yeah. t- a 10X improvement at least.
1: You know, data data standardization, uh, fragmented data across on-prem systems, um, you know, different data sources for different purposes, like criminal records, property records, um, they're all different, right? They're all fundamentally different. So it's a great place actually for us to use tech Is essentially like, you know, ETL processes that you'd see in, in, you know, data management where we're sort of importing data from all these different sources and making it, you know, conform to a standard schema. That is what allows us to do a lot of the automation that we yeah. do. Um, and, uh, it's challenging, but I think the whole financial industry is kind of grappling with that.
0: Totally. I mean, the, yeah. yeah, the whole the container world, issue. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. the containerization and putting it all on one ship. go for it.
2: Well, the other element of this is that financial regulations are only getting more strict and Mm -hmm. there are more of them and there are less people to throw at the problems. So you have less compliance bodies to throw at an issue, but you still have to keep up with existing regulatory frameworks. Now you have entirely new asset classes and yeah. If their assets in and of itself is going to be hotly debated. <laughs> now, my curiosity is like, what was the killer function in the use case? Like what yeah. groups do you guys sell into? I mean, product design is not necessarily something that compliance people care that much about. We just get the work, people, the work mm-hmm. paper is up there mm-hmm. and people can review it and centralize it and it moves fast. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, where where is the focus on product and how did you get to that point where you're like, yeah, we have we have product market fit?
1: I mean, our first, I think, wedge with some of our early customers was on Suspicious Activity Reports. Um, So so simple. Yeah. uh, Hmm. really complicated report, but a simple wedge. Yeah. Um, You know, for those who don't know, a Suspicious Activity Report is required by law. It's a little like a Form 1040 that you'd file with RRS. This is just describing, you know, illegal financial behavior. Uh, it's about 200 fields. It's an open text narrative format where you're supposed to write up kind of a bi- book report version of what happened. And if you scale that up to filing a few thousand reports a month or something like that, it's a massive. That was going to uh, be my question is like,
0: what's like the at? Like, for a, yeah. I guess there's no average community bank or no average fintech startup, but are there, do you have any numbers around like what an average organization or something would be submitting?
1: Yeah, the, the stats are actually public. And if you take, you know, a rough swag at dividing the number of SARS filed in the U.S. by the number of you know banks and credit unions, just as a placeholder, you arrive at 150 ish a year or so. Okay, in that's terms not of number of filings. Too
0: bad, but I'm guessing that's not evenly distributed. This is,
1: this is where stats are yeah, actually yeah, yeah, not yeah. You a just great metric. You just took a metric. number and you divided <laughs> by another number,
0: and it maybe doesn't tell the whole story. But it's so interesting.
1: You know, the tier one banks have said they'll file 500 a day ish or more um so like they have a radically different scale than your average institution we're seeing some fintech players that are actually filing quite a few as well um, which is good um and then things like cannabis compliance require that you file a lot more SARS yeah. actually crypto um so we're, we're actually seeing SAR filing ramp pretty significantly
0: question I've probably should know the answer to that i don't if you're so if you're working with a sponsor bank you're doing like you know debit issuance credit issuance whatever and you're a fintech brand if you need to file a SAR do you file the SAR directly or do you do it through your financial institution that you're working with
1: it uh generally is going to go through the bank that you're working with yeah so fun fact for all the fintech listeners out there fun fact time your bank partner can't (laughs) legally pass their compliance obligations uh to you at least the the legal aspect of it they can essentially have your help with investigations and report filing and things like that. As
0: in like they can't push off responsibility. Yeah, okay. yeah.
1: And so the responsibility is still theirs. The SAR yeah. filing is still theirs. That whole you
0: can't outsource risk thing kind of sucks too.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: that has created friction for partnerships, yeah. right? Yeah. In, in that scenario where it's Absolutely. like, do, does this community bank want to go into it? And now some of them have recognized like it's this or obscurity. Yeah, like, yeah. We are consolidating hard. Yeah.
1: yeah. The the fintech sponsorship model is one where I I think it's fascinating because the more sophisticated sponsor banks that we work with are essentially better at delegating some of the compliance obligations to the fintechs Mm -hmm. that allows the bank to scale without sort of a linear curve of compliance scaling, um, you know, with regards to the number of fintechs that they're closing um and so you know technology is a great answer here to kind of facilitate that work and collaboration yeah. um I, we see some banks trying to essentially just do the compliance work in house across all of their fintechs and it basically i think is disappointing for both parties it's very difficult to do yeah so, i mean it's a yeah, yeah
0: the idea that they're going to hold on to all of it in a partnership and not have an incredibly upset customer at least once a yeah. month or something like i don't see how that's going to
1: it's just a it's challenge. I, I think like, you know, and wh- I, I think another good thing for fintechs to know about working with sponsor banks is like one of the things that the bank really, really cares about is the compliance program. Um, it is one of the yeah. most sensitive areas yeah. for them. So. Hopefully
0: early stage startups are not totally blown out of the water by that statement. Yeah. Like hopefully we're paying <laughs> a little bit of attention to compliance. Yeah. But I mean, I think it begs this question of, I, you know. You know my history of fountain city fintech and like i've worked with a lot of early stage founders middle stage founders whatever yep. um but it, it does boggle my mind how many folks i'll talk to that have raised an amount of money and haven't figured out yet do i want to be the program manager on it do i not want to be the program yeah. manager on it what does that actually mean with this specific bank like mm-hmm. it could have you know 75 check boxes and i will be responsible for 20 they'll, they'll just like yeah, I don't even know what the term program management means. I mean, it's like, yeah. which is probably good. You probably don't start a company if you actually know everything that you're getting into because, you know, you're going to lose your hair and it's going to be, you know, it's, yeah. like it's hard as
1: shit. I would, it wouldn't be the thing I would like really invest a lot in if you're like pre-product market fit with a new financial service. But I think Something if you
0: know about, though, if right? you yeah. want to
1: grow yeah. and if you want to scale up, you essentially have to become, yeah. you know, a compliant company. So this is a
0: random one. But what do you think is the best way to test a market at early stage because what, what you just mm. said i think is entirely true yeah but there's this awkwardness of like you know and <laughs> by the time this airs i can say this publicly um so like a lot of people look at like synapse as an example as the thing that you go to market and test with but maybe not the thing that you're going to scale to you know millions of customers with and then there's like this awkward like core conversion thing which is capital intensive and kind of uncomfortable because your investors are like, "Well, why didn't you know this was going to work? Why didn't you assume success?" Yada yada yada. It's just this weird thing. Yeah. So what do you like? What do you think about that? What do you think is the right answer? I mean, I would. I, I don't know, but I would try. Yeah, I don't. This is not investment yeah. advice, but I'm just curious about your perspective.
1: I would try to get as close to where like the rubber meets the road on your business model as you could and like yeah. test that like test the thing that people are gonna get from your company as quickly as you can and then fill in the operational blanks you know mm-hmm. so like if you're issuing a new card test your ability to acquire customers cheaply and like scale yeah. up the card yeah. you know program. as much as
0: we talk shit on wait lists maybe there's actually something good about a wait yeah. list yeah
1: yeah and 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 do that and figure out like is that something you know people need and then you'll have a a ton of like legal operational compliance obligations that you can fill in later but if you can outsource those in the early days effectively like that's probably a better model so yeah
0: what do you think about that well i've never asked you that question which yeah since you're paying so product, much attention the the pro- the product piece like it, from early stage yeah. to late stage like do you think they should partner with one and then convert do you think they should like oh. assume success and spend the money up front
2: no try before you buy mm-hmm. and we we have that at atomic where we will payroll uh, connectivity we enable our customers to try us come see if you like it. test in our sandbox environment see if this like fits your use case and your end consumers and we have the coverage that you need but from like a legal and regulatory compliance standpoint yes i would have loved in 2016 if all the companies that i called and said you're going to need someone that understands dodd frank and the Durban amendment mm-hmm. to, to build your program and these are frameworks that you should have but i think i do agree with the initial pushback which was that we are building a culture kind of on move fast and break things Mm -hmm. but if you move fast and break things in financial services it's likely breaking the law and you end up in prison so like the balance of bringing in the right team has experience but i don't think you need to go so hard in the paint on like regulatory compliance from day one chief compliance officer chief legal officer but you should absolutely have a good lawyer and insurance yeah
1: yeah and a compliance consultants, advisors. Right. I mean, yeah.
2: Right. But make sure that they're Shout invested. out to FS
1: Vector. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Call back exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and
2: I meant from the perspective of make sure that the incentives are aligned, such that when you have a person that's third party to your organization, that there's a, a ramp to the, the business relationship growing and being successful. Like they own that level of risk for your organization yeah. or like that type of advice and you're acting yeah. on it. You raise money, and your investors expect you to have a good a good understanding of you know. So, what was the result? What was the outcome here?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And why did you make the decision in the first
0: place? And everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I I don't know. I talk out of both sides of my mouth about it, so I don't really know. Uh, I'm curious. What is like from your perspective, like the, and I don't know. Maybe this is even an uncomfortable question to ask you, but what is the ultimate tech stack for? identity verification kyc and aml and do you think that it's like mm-hmm. do you think it's a multi because you you like an alloy work together a lot i've noticed yeah. like you guys there's very much you guys have done a really good job and i think your industry your piece of the industry in general has done a good job of figuring out how not to like hate each other and yeah like you guys all seem to work together well but at the end of the day like probably not gonna have everybody on one tech stack so
1: you know no. and obviously
0: hummingbirds part of it that's part of the conversation but
1: yeah <laughs> you occasionally like see one of these slack threads or twitter threads or whatever around like why doesn't somebody just like do all of this in one box you know and yeah, yeah. no one I ever just, thought of it before why can Thank i just outsource risk and compliance yeah. to this company um i think it i think like you have to appreciate the fact that like i i use an example of you know two different financial services companies. Like one might be a mortgage provider for high net worth individuals in France. The other might be a cryptocurrency provider for um, you know normal folks in Argentina or something like that. Mm-hmm. So right there, you, you require wildly different data sources around KYC, you have totally different financial services yeah. in terms of the risk profile. Um, you're operating in different geographies, different laws, different compliance regulations. So that's why I think we don't see a like all-in-one compliance and risk stack that you can yeah. just sign up and use. It, um, it's crazy to me
0: that it doesn't exist in the U.S. to some degree, though. And I know like yeah. a lot of the embedded finance players, like,
1: but for like for what to debit do cards, credit cards, no, loans, that's, that's, that's commercial lending, yeah. you know, insurance, medical compliance, medical, yeah, HIPAA stuff related to patient payments um
2: you know doctors can be barred in one state then practice in another and there's databases i mean there's Uh, also the police databases themselves right yeah there's a company called that that does this that stitches these data sources together that allows for you know just the workforce itself to scale their ability to catch fraud and to prevent that fraud from from just moving across the state line
1: Mm mm-hmm
2: Hospitals in particular, yes, because you can save lives. You see the impact of it. And where we're spending most of our time is like preventing people from laundering money and making themselves rich or funding terrible things mm-hmm. like drugs and cartels. But mm-hmm. like you said, you have to be laser focused on on one sector of this of this pie. And then from there you can scale into where does that customer set go? I don't I don't think it goes from High, high net worth individuals that are doing you know mortgages or, or spinning up the next financial crisis the housing crisis in france yeah. to like you know yeah venice hyperinflation you know countering yeah. that with with bitcoin but yeah you could start to see it as as the nature of fraud gets more sophisticated
1: mm-hmm. yeah no, so i i think like coming back you know, to it like it, the the ideal tech stack is modular, right? Yeah. Like we we have tried to be a modular player. We think that's the best thing for the financial industry. We don't try to dictate the data sources or risk ratings or transaction monitoring tools that our customers do. They can use whatever they need. Yeah. Um, but we explain. try to ensure a thorough investigation reporting process. So explain
0: the data source thing a little bit more, because I think I think yeah. a lot of folks like would say. I can go to Lexus or I can go to Hummingbird. But if I understand things correctly, it's actually you can pull Lexus data into Hummingbird. You can pull all yeah. this data in and be able to work with it inside of your platform.
2: And through Alloy, too.
0: And yeah. and through Alloy. Well, yeah. 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 Am I, I mean, confusing the two? Did I say that incorrectly? I feel uh, like I was going the right, right? I don't think so, yeah.
1: All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. You, I said you can pull the data, yeah. that you you get use data. Yeah. into yeah. that and you okay. already
2: have partnerships with both. I need a nap.
1: <laughs> the, the the reality of a compliance team, like if we go back to investigating you, Zach, like it's the data that, you know, your bank has about you is probably coming from 10 to 20 different providers. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not really a matter of just grabbing data from one. It's, it's a matter of like assembling them in a logical manner. Um, at Hummingbird, we just try to be really good at like ingesting various Something. data formats and stuff. So... Um, you can pipe in, you know, structured data from JSON, import it from spreadsheets. You can paste in Google searches, you know, things like that to gather the information you need.
0: sounds like the interoperability thing, like yeah. really, really is going to be a big piece of this whole scaling
2: thing.
1: I think so. Yeah. I, I, and I think some of the other companies in the space are, um, kind of aligned on that, like, which is a cool thing for us to see. I mean, we're all like, there's some co-appetition, if you will, you know, like, Um, but I think we're all aiming at trying to reduce financial crime and it, it probably really is a better solution if, if the players are just modular and willing to kind of like work together within, uh, with interchangeable formats.
0: It's like the definition of a, not a winner take all market. It feels like Like there's going to be a lot of winners and it seems like they're all going to win together in
1: a lot of ways. The, the legacy providers, sadly, um, we won't name any names right now, but like, um, we have customers that like. And the data is just locked up in the, in the service provider. Like they won't yeah. provide a easily consumable export format. You can't get it out of the system. You can't get it into another system.
0: Is that because they don't believe in modern APIs? I
1: is mean, I like think it's thing? like, I think it's a crappy way that older companies will try to lock their customers in. But, um, you know, yeah. I just don't believe in that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's technologies
0: that will kind of... Hopefully, force them in the direction of having to do that for like the public good. Eventually, yeah. like there's a company, Triple Blind, one of my two angel investments that I've made in my life, and uh, he was actually on stage yesterday here. He so he the company Triple Blind has built a software that allows for encrypted algorithms to run on encrypted data sets. Oh, cool. So yeah, okay. it's yeah. pretty pretty world-changing stuff potentially like one of their their May, the mayo clinic led their series a as okay. an example so they're very heavy in the healthcare space but everything you're talking about we spend a lot of time talking about in terms of like how do we get all yeah. of this like incredibly valuable data that's probably not that clean but incredibly valuable yeah. out of these institutions and give them an ability to do something good with it give the person with the algorithm an ability to you know improve whatever and do
1: and I, I, with triple blind or a muter or some of the folks like that, mm. I feel like the, the cool part is that they're like privacy preserving, you know, so oh, you can, totally. you can do these focus, sensitive yeah. searches yeah. without like violating someone's privacy.
2: Yeah. Very cool. Or breaking HIPAA.
1: Or breaking HIPAA. Yeah.
2: Or breaking a hip. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, either Sorry. way. Sorry. I
1: didn't realize that when God. I said it Joe, Joe was going with the bad <laughs> jokes. <laughs> <laughs> your, your, no, thank you. Your dad. dead. That's
2: like, good. That sounds like breaking a hip. Yeah i'm now going to see that instead of break a leg, break it's now ahead. become a medical podcast <laughs> <Break Yeah. HIPA. laughs>
0: sponsored by ARP. all right um <laughs> one of the largest indeed yeah. indeed yeah they're doing cool shit um
2: <laughs> that's their that's their mission
0: doing cool shit yeah yeah all day every day for the 55 <laughs> new, and over do cool a slogan yeah, yep. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah they're right. hiring me for their for their new marketing role uh <laughs> so what what is the future hold for hummingbird like and how much you guys just you raised recently right
1: yeah it's about a year ago um God, that year, was a, year year ago. And, a year and change i yeah. didn't
0: answer the email fast enough to be part of the syndicate but uh, i was i was
1: <laughs> i said yes to bad. it and then i like you guys like you guys closed the
0: <laughs> yeah. deal like on a sunday or Move, something
1: went quickly they yeah have been really fast um yeah no we're we're excited the team's uh team's grown by about triple this year um, how many now we're about 33 folks today, cool. so, yeah. Um,
0: What's it been like hiring and finding talent in this market? I know when I mean, you've know, some
1: experiences. I think it's, I, I'm optimistic about it. I think it's actually quite cool that we don't have the geographic restrictions that we had to abide by before. And, like, we've just found awesome people all over, you know, all over the place. So, yeah, we're a fully distributed company. We're going to try to do some hybrid stuff where we allow people to, you know, work from an office in one of our cities, but um, I think it's been super cool. What are what are the cities? Uh probably New York and San Francisco, maybe uh, DC.
0: Kansas City after that?
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah.
0: A lot of a lot of regulatory experts and, you know, wonderful yeah, technologists. Yeah. I'm with you. KC Fed. Yeah. How right. well, so- I many
2: SARS reports are filed in here?
0: <laughs> At the KC Fed?
2: Uh no, I meant it. <laughs> Kansas
0: City. Oh, lots, tons. We have a huge amount of banks.
1: I'm still yeah. waiting for some interesting, like, hybrid model WeWorks and stuff to pop up. I, I think, uh, like... It's probably just going to yeah. be a WeWork, I feel like, but... <laughs> they they could do it, yep. yeah. They could do it. Maybe they already are, so... But
2: they can't because of certain restrictions around access to data, so that... Oh, I. Don't want to derail this conversation but it, if you are in a financial WeWork? services product yes oh. well because auditors <laughs> have to be separate with guarded keys and oh, there are compliance yeah. requirements and SOC two oh, type one yeah. and type two requirements from yeah. the physical location of True. data storage and stuff like that so mostly works accept and evolve to to fit that style of work i mean again it's also a fraction of the workforce but hmm. i think it's highly important
1: i agree hopefully that stuff will follow <laughs> like how we're all actually living now which is like yeah. distributed teams you know working in yeah. hybrid situations there's an opportunity there yeah. though that's a, yeah. it is, printing
2: sensitive data at home
1: you can't do it yeah yeah, yeah absolutely there's an opportunity there yeah. that's an interesting thought
0: all right. Well, Lindsay and I are going to go start a company. Um, Tech. <laughs> nice, <laughs> I like that. So, are you guys are you guys still hiring? Like, we're kind of oh, coming yeah. up on time, so let's uh, let's do oh, a little like hummingbird. Uh, we're absolutely hiring. We're commercial. hiring
1: pretty much in every department. Okay. So, if y'all need a job, please hit us <laughs> up. <laughs> if you're unemployed yeah. on the streets, go work for hummingbird. <laughs> Hummingbird.co. Yeah.
2: If you want to be a superhero and fight yeah. financial crimes. yeah,
1: exactly. yeah, superpowers, yeah. For no, crime no fighters, yeah. no capes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: lots of KPIs.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're on it today, Lindsay. I think we all <laughs> need to get Lindsay a drink, but um, they're hiring across the company, Honeybird. Yeah, uh, Honeybird, Jesus, I gotta stop talking. Hummingbird.co. Yep, we'll send them there, put that in the show notes. Yep, thank um, you. Anything so, in terms of like folks, if they want to reach out, like obviously, bankers of the community nature, of the regional nature, whatever you know, be the whatever size of bank, reach out, fintech companies, reach out.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, we work with. Pretty much every sector, but a lot of work in payments, a lot in crypto, definitely banking. Uh, Banks, if you're interested in getting into um, some of the emergent business models with fintech sponsorship or cannabis or crypto or some of these things, like we can help with your compliance program. Um, So, yeah, we're out there lending, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, We don't. We don't just do AML anymore. We didn't really cover that. We're sort of across the board now in compliance. Let's cover
0: that. So are you doing like doing KYC and like the whole nine
1: now or what? Basically anything that the compliance and risk teams need to to look at and and there's generally ten to twenty practice areas within a compliance group. So So is the long
0: term vision something along the lines of like the the compliance hub for the team kind of a thing like this is like mission control to yeah, some degree just
1: print the t-shirt thank you zach yeah that's <laughs> it you got it so. i like it yeah, yeah. um compliance trying to be, mission
0: control is important i mean you can have trying to, some fun copy around houston having problems and such <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> trying to be the uh the crm for compliance so, i love yeah. it yeah absolutely. Awesome.
0: well i'm glad we got that in there at the end at least <laughs> yeah um joe Always a pleasure, sir. Yeah, thanks thank for coming on. It's good, on. good yeah. to catch up. Yeah, it, was so. good, it was yeah, a good excuse thanks. to hang thanks. out. Yeah. Lindsay, was thank was you for the job. time, as yeah. always. Thank you. <laughs> We're on one microphone, as we said, so it's all awkward. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of For Fintech's Sake with Joe Robinson, CEO at Hummingbird. And thanks again to LSBX for making this episode possible. You can learn more about Lincoln Savings Bank's FinTech program at lsbx.com. Tell them Zach sent you. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and all the other things I'm supposed to remind you to do on your favorite podcast app. And if you want our weekly emails, go to ForFinTechSake.com and subscribe there. Until next time, stay healthy, keep your head high, and feel free to send me an email with what you'd like to see at Money 2020 next year because. I don't mind you doing my work for me. Thanks again, y'all, and we'll talk soon.